Ten years ago this week, the Chinese government ended the renminbi's strict peg against the US dollar, effectively giving the currency more freedom to appreciate or depreciate according to market forces. This may not be the sort of anniversary that grabs global headlines, but the increasing influence of the renminbi in trade, in investment, and sometimes as a reserve currency for central banks, is really changing the way the world works. In this podcast, we look at what further changes may be in store for the renminbi as it reflects China's growing international clout and ambitions. I'm James King, the FT's Emerging Markets Editor, and with me to discuss this topic is David Pavitt, Head of Emerging Markets Foreign Exchange Trading at HSBC, and Ginny Yen, Senior Economist at Standard Chartered. We've also asked readers from ftchinese.com the FT's Chinese language website to chip in with some questions for our guests so that we reflect a mainland Chinese perspective on this subject. Ginny, if I could come to you first. A question here from an FT Chinese reader, Li Muyu713. Do you think that now is the right time for the renminbi to become a global currency? And what are the biggest obstacles that it faces? Well, I think, first of all, this question reflects very much the attitude that so far renminbi internationalization has very much been backed by policy development by the Chinese authorities. However, I think going forward, what we do expect is that natural demand by corporates and institutions and also individuals will continue to drive renminbi going global. Certainly by our own index of our renminbi globalization index, where we track four things, we track deposits, FX turnover, dim sum bonds, and also trade settlements. We have seen a more than 21-fold rise in our index since December 2010. So that does mean that it's not really a question of whether China would like its currency to go global, but the fact is that demand is already pushing for the currency to go global. And so what about the obstacles in the way? Yes, absolutely. There are many challenges. And I think a lot of emerging markets are looking at similar challenges. Of course, the uh, financial uh, sector is still very much on the way to become a more sophisticated one. And of course, the recent stock market events have probably reflected the fact that there's a lot more work to be done there. But the international recognition of RMB as not only a trade currency, but also as an investment currency, in my view, is probably going to be a challenge. Clearly, we need to see more steps towards deepening China's financial markets. And also the issue of moral hazard. I think that's an important question in China at the moment. And a lot of questions there. Just on on, on the question of investment and moral hazard, if you're a foreign investor and you hold renminbi, is it advisable to put it into the mainland Chinese bond or equities market? What kind of return could you expect? And what's the moral hazard issue you're particularly pointing to? Well, so far, I think what's readily available in terms of onshore renminbi investment or assets, it's actually open to a restricted number of people. So only eligible institutions, particularly the foreign central banks, sovereign wealth funds, and also other sort of public sector institutions, 
have now access, wide access actually, to the interbank bond market. Increasingly, however, we might see more access into the local government bond market, for example. And those are some of the policies that the Chinese authorities are starting to push, and we will see that happening. In terms of moral hazard, as the stock market events have uh, displayed, we have seen this expectation that authorities will continue to support the market. But of course, we know in China the move is towards marketization, so everything needs to be dependent on market forces. So relying on government intervention is not sustainable, and I think China realizes that. David, I think it's the case that over the last ten years, the renminbi is appreciated by about one third against the U.S. dollar, but it's been pretty strong of late. Do you think that Beijing feels the need to keep the renminbi strong while it promotes its use around the world? Is that a key strategy, or or is that not right? I think the way the PBOC have publicly stated that they want to see more two-way volatility in the currency. But whilst keeping the currency fairly stable,、uh, and I think we've we've pretty much seen that over the past 12 months or so. The age of RMB continued 5% a year. RMB appreciation is over. I don't think we're going to see that at any point in the future. I think we are going to see more market influence in the exchange rates. I do think, though, that they've said that they want to see it basically stable. I think that makes sense given the internationalisation agenda. The priority is the internationalisation of the RMB rather than the value of the RMB. And in your work with HSBC, do you see a lot of investors wanting to hold RMB in order to invest them inside the mainland, or do you see people being somewhat cautious at the moment? No, I think there are certainly some. The、uh, Q schemes, so that's the Q、uh, FII schemes and the RQ fee schemes, are popular. They're quite difficult to get into. I mean, the process can take up to eight months from start to finish from an approval process. Although these barriers are gradually being broken down. I mean, literally very recently, I think Ginia alluded to the CIBM market just now, and the process has basically been opened up. Whereas before, you had to apply for a quota. Now, literally in the last few days, they've decided that you no longer have to apply for a quota. You can just apply and tell the PBOC what you're doing. So PBOC, that's the People's Bank of China. Yeah, I think reducing the amount of regulation involved is going to open up this market to give it wider accessibility to offshore entities. Now, as Ginny was saying, at the moment we're looking at central bank sovereign wealth funds. So generally speaking, the Chinese are more interested in long-term. Stable investment in its bond market at this stage. They don't really want the type of clients that are going to come in and buy and sell in a high frequency mode. They really want sort of more buy and hold investors, which makes perfect sense because they're more interested in stability. It's a big focus for the Chinese to make sure that there is no instability in their financial markets. That's very interesting. And David, one last question: What about the? Renminbi as a reserve currency held by central banks—is that something that we're seeing a lot more of now, and will we see more of in the future? I think since the、uh, advent of the offshore market, we've seen more of it. Certain South American central banks, African central banks, up until the UK Treasury's bond issuance last year, the highest-profile bank was the Bank of Australia. I think they said they were going to take—I think it's five percent of their reserves in RMB. Now we've got the UK Treasury issued a bond last year, albeit a small bond. So a certain amount of the UK's reserves are now held in RMB. I think that's only going to continue over time. Through my desk that we quote in foreign exchange in for EMEA, so Europe, Middle East, and Africa, we've seen a, a, a decent amount of flow over the last probably three years. 
So gradually increasing the percentage of, of reserves. I think the interesting event that's going to happen later this year is the SDR announcement. And by SDR, you mean the special drawing rights at the International Monetary Fund? Yeah, I think, I think there's a, a certain amount of confusion over that, if I'm honest. The SDR doesn't necessarily mean that you have to own more or central banks have to own more RMB in the reserves. I think it's a big misconception in the market. It may mean that some central banks, if they've pegged their reserves to the SDR basket, then they would need to do that. But it doesn't necessarily mean so. So I think there's an opinion out in the market that if China are included, that this would mean an immediate uh, appreciation of the RMB because several central banks would need to buy more RMB. That is not the case. It's still up to the individual central banks to decide. Thank you very much. Uh, Ginny, coming back to you, a uh, question here from an FT Chinese reader, Tung Jung Sin. If China is doing more and more of its trade in renminbi, how will this affect China's holdings of US dollar denominated assets such as treasury bills? Will it mean that there's a fall off in China's buying of US debts? I think this is a very good question. I think, yes, the move towards a more freely floating currency in China does reduce the required reserves substantially, particularly if the special drawing rights inclusion is given the go-ahead. So we do expect China to adjust the allocation of its current US Treasury holdings from currently 60% of its overall FX reserves to no more than 42% if we do see a special drawing right SDR inclusion. And we do actually assign a 60% chance of SDR inclusion by the end of this year and moving to 90% a chance of SDR inclusion by end of 2017. So the likelihood of the inclusion is pretty high. And given that uh, we we will see an adjustment of UST allocation, we might see 0.8 trillion to 1.3 trillion USD worth of USTs over five years to be gradually not sold off, but perhaps let to mature in China's portfolio. This might coincide with the Fed's policy to seize its U.S. Treasury reinvestment strategy. So overall, we could see the U.S.T. market might face the end of reinvestment by both China and the Federal Reserve. So big potential changes ahead there. And David, coming to you for the last question. This one is from Gong Qi and Dan Dan Dorbao, two uh, readers of FD Chinese. They note that people used to argue that Chinese initiatives such as the Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank recently set up and the One Belt, One Road initiative also recently formally announced would help the renminbi to become international. But it looks so far as if these two initiatives are mainly going to be using US dollars. What's your view on this? I think... For me, this is not necessarily an RMB internationalization issue. It's more of a China internationalization issue. Obviously, we're seeing a slowdown in Chinese growth. They're looking for overseas investment and other opportunities for investment. And this is what the One Belt, One Road situation is. Yes, it's expanding China's influence over the rest of the world. It's allowing Chinese money to be invested in the rest of the world. The denomination of that investment is not necessarily a factor. I don't think it's just the fact that China needs to expand its ability to get a return on its reserves. And they're using this method to do that. I really don't think it's anything to do with RMB internationalization necessarily. 
Thank you very much to both of our guests. That was Ginny Yen, Senior Economist at Standard Chartered, and David Pavitt, Head of Emerging Markets Foreign Exchange Trading at HSBC. For much more on the changing fortunes of China's currency, see the FT special report, Global Currencies, Renminbi, at ft.com backslash renminbi. The music is by David Sapper. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.